Hi, I'm Red Mom Caitlin. And I'm Blue Mom Shelly. Thanks for joining us for today's episode of the Red Mom, Blue Mom podcast. We're two moms with opposing political views who enjoy talking about politics, current events, and social issues. We believe in the importance of dialogue to help us learn from one another, especially when we have differences of opinion. Our goal isn't necessarily to agree, but where we disagree, to keep talking. We hope we inspire you to have real conversations on important issues with people with whom you disagree. And we hope our legislators are doing the same. Let's get started. Thanks for joining us, listeners. This is Blue Mom Shelley, and today we're conversing on LGBTQ issues in light of this month, June, being International Pride Month, that is, celebrating pride in our LGBTQ community. There are at least 11 million LGBTQ people in America, roughly 5% of Americans. This community has historically suffered severe discrimination in the United States, including the 1996 DOMA law, Defense Against Marriage Act, prohibiting federal recognition of gay marriage, various state laws prohibiting homosexual activity altogether in the United States until even 2003, and a prohibition of openly gay people in the military, which ended in 2011, as well as other forms of discrimination. But just in the last five years or so, we have really seen some progress in the U.S. political landscape with respect to gay rights, including an increasing number of politicians serving openly gay, greater acceptance of the community, and the landmark Obergefell Supreme Court decision in 2015, which declared invalid laws that prohibit gay marriage. Today, a recent survey from a nonpartisan research organization, PRRI, found that 69% of Americans are in favor of laws that protect LGBT people from discrimination, including a majority of people in every single state. I think an overwhelming majority of Americans now believe that discrimination against gay people is wrong, and that is despite continuing strong religious prohibitions on the issue. But keep in mind the Obergefell decision was just four years ago. So just four years ago, there were millions of couples who couldn't marry or whose marriage wasn't recognized in other states, which affected their relationships, their ability to have children, their ability to receive marriage benefits that the rest of us are entitled to, and the way they were viewed by the world. So the progress we've seen just in the past few years, including that decision, even with that progress, we have also seen a backlash or a pendulum swing the other way with efforts to roll back that progress. There are now a series of religious freedom laws in various states that are now being used to justify discrimination against gay people, and there's an uptick in that since the Obergefell decision. And while President Trump ran on a gay-friendly platform, since he's been in office, I think that he has done the opposite. So the struggle continues. Now, Caitlin, as you know, I'm very passionate about this issue. I strongly believe that any discrimination based on sexual orientation is wrong, and that this is sort of a modern civil rights issue unfolding in front of us. I know that you're not particularly religious, so I'm hoping today we can agree on this. Can you and I agree today that discrimination against gay people is both wrong and should be prohibited? Uh, Thanks, Shelley. Um, You're right, I'm not particularly religious, but I think even if I were, or regardless of religion, frankly, I think um, it's right to agree that discrimination against anybody, LGBTQ community members or otherwise, uh, is of course, of course that's wrong. I'm glad to hear it. And so 
would you also agree that it should be prohibited? Uh, yes, I should. I think it should be prohibited, but it, to make sure that it's not at the expense of rights or freedoms of others. And I think that's probably the crux of some of our conversation that we'll get into today. But yes, I I agree that there should not be any um, legal way to discriminate against uh, that community. And again, I just want to make sure it doesn't infringe on other Americans' rights uh, as well. So would you be a supporter then of the Equality Act, which recently passed the House but is expected to fail in the Republican-controlled Senate? The Equality Act Uh, listeners is an expansion of the Civil Rights Act language. Remember the Civil Rights Act says that, quote, all persons shall be entitled to the full enjoyment, full and equal enjoyment of the goods, services, facilities, and privileges, advantages, and accommodations of any place of public accommodation without discrimination or segregation on the ground of race, color, religion, or national origin. The Equality Act inserts the language sex, including sexual orientation, into that sentence just before the words national origin. It also adds to the definition of public accommodation things like online services. So in my view, this Equality Act is sort of a no-brainer. If you're against discrimination against gay people, you just include them in this definition uh, in the Civil Rights Act that we've all agreed on now for decades when it comes to uh, general acknowledgement that it is wrong to discriminate against someone. So Caitlin, how is something like the Equality Act still opposed by Republicans? Would you be in favor of it? Well, I think there's a couple nuances to this that are important to understand. So the definition is sex, including sexual orientation and gender identity, which I think is uh, kind of a new concept over the last couple of years. Certainly, it's a fairly recent introduction, I think, into the national conversation um, as we think about LGBTQ rights. So I want to make sure that it's important that the definition of sex is not just orientation, but also gender identity. And I think on its face, as we've talked about before with other bills, you know, on its face, this seems like a no-brainer, right? This seems like a really good idea. And again, no one, at least I certainly don't want to discriminate on anyone based on their um, sexual orientation. However, the the devil is in the details as it often is. So the challenge with the Equality Act, as it's, as it's been proposed by the House, is that there are some impacts that are perhaps maybe um, unintended, but real impacts on uh, what I would consider women's rights as we talk about um, things like sports, women's sports teams. There are also impact on um, medical professionals and medical providers in terms of their obligation to adhere to perhaps gender identity and other things that uh, they may not they may not agree with. And then the biggest piece in my view is the fact that this Equality Act, based on my reading, and perhaps you have a different interpretation, is that it basically supersedes the religious protection, the religious just freedom element that was previously there. And one of the articles that I read, which we will share as we always do on redmombluemom.com, talks about how basically the Equality Act would mandate that an LGBT person's claim about discrimination or what have you basically wins by default. So it eliminates the protections that are currently protected um, around religious freedoms and religious beliefs. And so therefore, in a sense, um, this Equality Act, as it's being proposed right now, kind of elevates the rights of that LGBT person over someone that may have very sincere, long-held religious beliefs. So that's where I have some concerns is, are we picking and choosing in this Equality Act or in some of the national conversation going on around these issues right now that 
LGBT issues uh, or rights have um, preference over religious rights. And so that's where I think the interesting conversation happens. So with respect to your first two points, it sounds like it sounds like you might have an issue with the trans sort of being included in this. If we were to take away the, the, the trans inclusion in this Equality Act, would you then agree with it? Or is the religious freedom, the last issue that you raised, would that also prevent you from agreeing to the Equality Act? The religious freedom piece is the biggest piece for me. And again, I'm not religious, so it's coming from a, a, a place of trying to be fair and equitable to everyone, being fair and equitable to everyone, you know, to honor their beliefs and, and things like that. So the religious freedom piece is a big, is a big element for me. Um, and we can perhaps talk a little bit later, but I'm, I'm interested to hear that you support the Equality Act as we think about the potential impact on women's sports. And we can talk about, we can talk about some stories there that have emerged just over recent weeks on that piece. Yeah, of it. let's come back to the trans, the trans piece. But this idea of religious freedom trumping the prohibition against discriminating against others not that, trumping but equal right so that that's the that's the judgment call. well what it, what happens there is then it, it just becomes a way to legalize discrimination uh, so my first problem with that is the idea of religious freedom was supposed to be based on simply not favoring one religion over another it was not supposed to lead to this type of ability to discriminate. Second, but that's for the government, right? That's so that the government doesn't discriminate based on the basis of religion. Th- right. That's different to me than being an individual and being able with to discriminate well, based on your religion. I mean, it depends on how you define discriminate, right? If someone has a long-standing religious belief, uh, perhaps that gay marriage is not right. And I'm not saying I agree with that. I actually am fine with gay marriage, but I appreciate and respect the fact that there are devout Christians that may disagree with gay marriage. That person as an individual, I think, should have the right to hold that belief and not be coerced by the government or by law to do something that they don't believe in. That to me is very different than government shall not discriminate based on the basis of religion, which I think is the quote that you were just mentioning. Yeah, I still, it eviscerates the prohibition on discrimination, so I have a tremendous problem with it. First, of course, in my view, discrimination against the LGBTQ community is not a legitimate religious belief. Even though I was raised Catholic, I I personally believe that any interpretation of Jesus' teachings that includes a condemnation or discrimination against a minority is absurd. His entire teaching was to love each other, whether that's prostitutes, tax collectors, non-believers. So I, I don't understand how it follows that he did or ever would condemn gays. Um, so I think it's a certain interpretation of, of religion. But Do you disagree that others should be able to make that interpretation for themselves? No, I, I, of course, you know, think that everyone can believe what they want. But this is just the latest civil rights issue. The Remember, Caitlin, with the civil rights movement, African-Americans being refused service at a lunch counter, the people who owned those lunch counters felt a couple things. They argued that segregation was what God wanted, that God wanted the races to be separate. And they also argued it was their free speech. It was their right to, their First Amendment right to decide who they would serve. And really some of the same arguments were seen with respect to women in the workplace. People used to say that the Bible and their religion justified the idea that a woman's place is in the home. And now, similarly, in response to the legalization of gay marriage, 
we have this idea of religious freedom uh, being used again as an excuse to discriminate. In my view, nothing is less American, nothing is less constitutional. You know, if someone said to you, well, my religion drives me to, to hurt someone else, uh, that part of their religious beliefs is not okay. It's not okay to harm others. And these, this discrimination against the LGBT community really harms millions of people. So to use religion as an excuse to discriminate, I think absolutely the uh, prohibition on discrimination has to trump First Amendment rights. It always has with respect to the Civil Rights Act and should continue to trump it. So give me an example then of where we've had a recent situation where religious freedom has resulted in discrimination against LGBT people or communities. Can you just give me an example that we can talk through? Well, you just cited one. What if a doctor doesn't want to work with respect to a gay person? Are we going to allow him to deny that uh, medical uh, treatment to a gay person? Uh, Of course, the uh, famous one recently was the Masterpiece Cake Shop. Maybe that's not as compelling when you some people think that's not as compelling when you think, well, what's the big deal? Go get a cake somewhere else. Um, but every type of public accommodation, uh, again, whether it's a hotel, a, a getting a job, um, are you allowed to not hire someone who you know is gay because you your religious belief tells you that that's wrong? Uh, I think just yesterday I read in the news that a Catholic school refused to fire a gay teacher so the archdiocese said that they would no longer be considered considered a catholic school and so those are those are there there are many ways where and this happens all the time and historically has happened every day where a gay person is discriminated against sometimes on the basis of religion quite often and uh and now you're now now we're seeing this idea that, oh, well, that's my religious right, my religious right to discriminate. Well, the the first two examples that you mentioned, the example of a physician um, opting not to treat a patient because that patient is gay, that's not okay. I 100% agree with that. But I do think you get into some interesting nuance if you take that a step further. For example, let's say it's a physician at a Catholic hospital or perhaps a physician who has a strong Catholic faith. And I don't mean to pick on Catholics. I know there are many Christians, not just Catholics, that maybe have similar beliefs. But let's just use the the Catholic example. Um, If that patient wanted that physician to perform a, a gender transition surgery, then that to me gets a little bit becomes more of a, a gray area and I, I don't know what's right or wrong there but that that's an example where does the right of that patient to have a, a transition surgery supersede the the perhaps very strong Christian or Catholic convictions of that of that service provider but let's just if you wouldn't mind let's leave aside we're going to come back to trans issues because I think you had some issues that you wanted to address on that what if it's just medical treatment you know of a gay person yeah normal care I I don't I don't think discrimination should be allowed there at all I think that's completely inappropriate so I I don't disagree with you on that example and you would agree that an employer should not be able to turn someone down for the sole reason that they're gay a hundred percent I think that's absolutely I think that's absolutely inappropriate so you and I are in complete agreement there I did want to then touch on your example around a masterpiece bakery and Jack Phillips who's a local Colorado um, baker probably 15 miles from where we sit right now so obviously close to home for us um 
you kind of made a mention that maybe that's not such a compelling case because you can go get a cake anywhere else. I actually don't think that's a good argument. My my understanding of that case, and again, perhaps you have a different understanding, is that Jack Phillips wasn't refusing to serve that couple because they were gay. He was willing to serve them and sell them, rather, any baked good in his shop, and he does that regularly with other gay customers. The issue in that instance was, could he be compelled legally to create kind of a custom wedding cake for a gay marriage? And so, again, there's a little bit of a nuance there between he wasn't he wasn't accused of of saying you know no gays allowed in his shop because he serves he serves the LGBT community. The issue was around gay marriage specifically, and again, that comes back to religious religious freedom. In my view, and I'm, you may disagree, in my view, and the Supreme Court actually didn't didn't rule on this part of it, which was interesting. That case went to the Supreme Court. They didn't rule on whether or not um, the baker could be compelled to create a, a wedding cake in that example that that you know uh, contradicted his religious beliefs. They didn't rule on that. But in my view, I'm okay with that because I think he was willing to to sell them anything else. He just didn't want to be compelled to create a cake that that directly conflicted with his religious views. I'm okay with that. Don't you then get into where to draw the line in terms of? what is artistic or what is a free speech item. So for example, in a restaurant, there are many chefs who, well, okay, I'll serve African-Americans, but not the same food that I'm preparing, you know, artistically for everyone else or not in the same dining room. This is my free speech. And I think you get into that with any, any skilled profession. You really condone discrimination if you're going to draw an exception for religious beliefs. I think I understand the example that you're trying to make or the comparison that you're trying to make around ultimately is there a difference between you know back in the 50s refusing service to an African-American person versus refusing service in today's environment to someone who is uh, LGBTQ. I understand that comparison. The difference to me though is that I do think regardless if you agree or disagree, I think it's okay to acknowledge that there are some elements of being LGBTQ that I think people have a sincere religious belief against. And, and let's sure. continue to use gay marriage. Sure. I, don't, I guess I don't think the same can be said for someone's skin color. I just think there's a little bit of a a difference there and perhaps I've missed a lot of stories but I don't think even today we're hearing a lot of stories of a restaurateur or a baker or a hospital or any sort of service provider flat out saying I refuse to serve gays I don't think that that's happening I think the nuance is around you know and you alluded to kind of the free speech or artistic integrity or creativity independence what have you i think that's where the nuance comes into play um often around gay marriage in particular i i don't know those to me feel a little bit different so i'm confused why they feel different because that that you refer to the sincerely held religious belief that something in the in the lgbtq community members lifestyle or something with respect to who he is that there's a sincere religious belief against that i agree with you there is that's why the discrimination is happening that's why people are 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 using the idea of religious freedom to discriminate because they truly believe that there's something wrong with this there's something wrong with this person there's something wrong with this community this is wrong period um they believe that i don't doubt that they sincerely have a religious belief that 
causes them to think that way. What I'm saying is we have to, as a society, say even if you have that religious belief, you cannot discriminate against against this person. And, and that, I kind of want to come back to where we left with the Equality Act. If it's wrong to discriminate and if discrimination should be prohibited, then why not prohibit it despite religious beliefs? I don't know. Is it right for government to compel you to do something as a as an individual? To not discriminate, yes. Even if it conflicts with your religion. Yes, that's exactly what happened with the lunch counters. People but I don't had think the a very le- but, but, sincere religious belief that God wanted the races to not be mixed. People had a sincere religious belief with respect to um, blacks and whites marrying, for example, and having children. That was a sincere religious belief that there was something wrong with that. This is just the more modern issue. It's just coming up now. I think it's exactly the same. We have to prohibit that discrimination, even though it conflicts with someone's, what they say are their religious beliefs. I appreciate the comparison that you're making, again, with civil rights and kind of the origination of some of that that conflict and, and you know, using Christianity or the Bible as kind of the source to justify uh, racism and, and, and separatism and things like that, which I disagree with entirely. So I appreciate that that comparison and I I don't know I'm struggling a little bit here because I guess coming into this conversation my thought was well you know as long as a, a baker is not you know flat out refusing to serve LGBTQ that's enough and I appreciate your comparison that regardless of the religious element or religious beliefs someone should still be compelled to to not discriminate in any way I don't know I I'm having a hard time kind of wrapping my head around the government compelling an individual um, on that topic which I appreciate is what happened in the civil rights era as well Um, yeah I mean I think to be consistent with this idea that it's wrong to discriminate against them in any way whether it's gay marriage allowing them to be married adopt kids public accommodations not be fired all of that it's the same the same type of types of discrimination that they have faced and that that gay people have faced historically in our country it's the same types of discrimination that people faced with respect to race sometimes gender national origin all of the things that uh, that I think we agree uh, should not form the basis of discrimination let me ask you this then maybe I can convince you try not to convince each other listeners but or we try not to focus on convincing each other but I have to admit I'm interested in convincing Caitlin on this if the Equality Act if it is just about adding sexual orientation to uh, the list of um, traits like race that we are not allowed to the public is not allowed to discriminate against people, whether it's staying in a hotel or getting a job or adopting kids or uh, marriage, as you mentioned, um, what, regardless of the issue, despite someone's strongly held religious beliefs, can't we agree that that discrimination against them should be prohibited by law, even if it trumps someone's religious beliefs? I don't know. I, I want to say yes, but I'm, I'm still kind of 
debating it internally. Maybe another example that would help me clarify your position on this. I mean, you're being pretty clear, but um, what a, what a, what about the example of maybe a Catholic hospital that uh, doesn't want to prescribe birth control for patients? Now, again, I think birth control is a is should be available to everybody. I don't think that that should be a religious issue, but I appreciate that some people may have concerns. Um, what are your thoughts on that? I actually think that is gender discrimination. I think that that should also be prohibited because I think that that religious belief in particular only affects women. But for our purposes, hypothetically, again, could I get you to agree that the Equality Act is is appropriate in that it adds sexual orientation to the list of things along with race that people can't discriminate against other people on, whether it's in public accommodations, medical treatment, or employment, you know, in any number of, of services. Yeah, in concept, I agree with that. I, I just, it's this issue of, you know, still in my mind trying to think about that those uh, anti-discrimination laws trumping someone's religious freedom. But so that's what I'm asking is, would you be okay with that, with that law trumping someone's religious freedom just, just on what I, on the narrow topic of what I just defined? Well, I don't, is, I don't think so. And that's why, I, that's why I'm struggling with it, right? The Jack Phillips Masterpiece Bakery example, I don't know that the government should compel him to create a custom cake for a customer for whom he really disagrees, you know, religiously, sincerely religiously, that that's the right thing to do. But you do agree that an employer shouldn't be able to fire someone based on the employer's religious beliefs because they're gay yeah. or decline medical treatment. Yeah, yeah. We've, I think we've already covered all that. So here, so maybe you're, you just agree, just disagree in terms of what is a public accommodation? Is it decorating a cake or not? I don't know that we need to figure that out. There's, uh, you know, all the benefits that are provided with respect to people who are married and, you know, adoption issues, employment and public other public accommodations. You would agree that it's okay for the government to compel non-discrimination even when someone holds religious beliefs to the contrary. Yeah, it depends on how those things like public accommodation, I guess, are defined, which is which is a good point. Here, here's another example as we talk about bakeries um, that I was interested to ask you about. Um, in Colorado, again, back in 2014, a Christian activist, a man named William Jack, went into a Colorado bakery and requested two cakes, both in the shape of the Bible. One of them he wanted to have on there that it says God hates sin, and it had a, a Bible reference, a quote. And then the second Bible cake, he wanted to have it written on there, homosexuality is a detestable sin. Now the baker refused to make those cakes. Are you okay with the baker refusing to make those cakes? Uh, I think so because is the baker discriminating against someone based on their race, color, sexual orientation? And religion. Religion's uh, a protected group. Uh, and religion. Um, well that's a good question. I don't know. If he's saying that uh, that his religion compels him to have those cakes made, I think that's a tenuous, I don't know if he was actually arguing that. Um, I think that would be a tenuous argument. Was he saying that his religion compelled him to have those cakes baked? You mean the customer saying yeah. that his religion? Mm-hmm. Well, what does it matter, right? Regardless of what the reason is. No, is it? Well, it does matter because is the baker, by refusing to bake those cakes, discriminating against someone based on that religion? 
Well, I, I think if a, I think if someone comes in ordering two Bible-shaped cakes with those Bible verses or references on them, I think it's probably pretty obvious that they're religious, right? That they're Christian. So by the baker refusing to make those cakes, is that any different than Jack Phillips of Masterpiece Bakery refusing to make a custom wedding cake for a same-sex marriage? Because they're both protect well gay marriage wasn't legal back in Colorado, but let's assume they're, they're, it's all legal, right? Everybody's protected. You've got religious protection, racial protection, sexual orientation protection. Are those two examples any different in your mind? I think they are because I don't think that the need for the cakes has anything to do with his religious beliefs. But if I'm wrong and then I'm wrong and then, then no, you're right. But you think a same sex marriage cake has to do with their sexual orientation. Hmm. Yeah, you and I disagree there. I think someone coming in ordering Bible-shaped cakes is probably religious, religious in nature. Belief, right? I mean, I think it's, that, I think that's agree <laughs> pretty if, obvious if on that one. If that's the case, then we would agree. But I have to go back to the, I think the more important question. And and let's take cakes out of it for a minute. If if cakes, if we're if we're struggling to define public accommodation and whether it should include the decoration of cakes, what about all of the other uh, public accommodations that you and I are talking about? The more obvious things that are public accommodations: staying in hotels getting jobs, getting medical treatment, uh, eating at restaurants, are all of those things, would, can, can we agree that despite someone's religious beliefs, they should not be allowed to discriminate against gay people? Yes, I agree with you. And again, those are the examples where, unless I've missed a lot of stories, I don't think that we hear many examples of those things happening today. Meaning, I don't think that there are many examples happening right now in the in the times that we live in right now where people are not allowed to eat in a restaurant because they're somehow identified as gay or they're not allowed to stay at a hotel those stories perhaps exist they exist and also with respect to employment i think it's i I read about that quite often in the news people fear the ability to keep their jobs or uh, obtain a job if their religious employer knows uh, about them being gay. It's That's interesting. I've worked in the kind of entertainment or entertainment adjacent industries almost my whole career and very progressive uh, internet retail companies. Um, I've never met anyone or heard any rumblings of folks being worried about that. Not to say it doesn't right. happen, so this but is I'm, you- I'm surprised to hear that just because it doesn't seem like that this is happens you- often, but maybe it does. This is where you and I, we have the same argument with respect to the pay gap with, you know, you didn't think that women actually experience a pay gap or uh, certain forms of discrimination, and I think so. Um, so you're just not seeing a lot of... I agree. It. You're not seeing a lot of the discrimination against gay people. You're not gay, and so you're not living in that world. I can assure you that they face intense discrimination and have historically faced intense discrimination. Like I say, hopefully less so as we all um, sort of as a society become more able to have this discussion that you and I are having and agree that uh, discrimination uh, against people based on their membership in the LGBTQ community is is wrong. So I promised we could go back to trans. What do you think, Caitlin, of Trump's trans military ban? Well, let's be clear on what it is. I think it's been defined as a ban. That's not um, entirely correct. So my understanding of the quote-unquote ban um, is this, is that transgender persons with a history or diagnosis of gender dysphoria are disqualified from military service except under a couple circumstances. Number one, if they've been stable for 36 consecutive months, 
Um, if they've been diagnosed with gender dysphoria after entering the service, they may be retained if they don't require a change of, of gender. And any currently serving transgendered service members who've been diagnosed with gender dysphoria since the previous administration, the Obama administration's policy took effect, um, they can continue to serve. So I think this statement that it's a blanket ban is a little bit, uh, a little bit incorrect. You know, I defer to the expertise of military experts on this. I think up until the Obama administration, this policy had been in place um, for many decades. I'm not saying that to say that it's necessarily correct, um, but you know, I, I trust uh, leaders that have evaluated this issue. My understanding is that General Mattis, who uh, helped inform this policy with Trump a couple of years ago, actually met with not only military leaders, but trans transgender leaders, and, and they did a careful analysis. So uh, I, I think the decision that they made, I'll defer to their expertise on whether or not that's the right thing to do for the military. But I just wanted to make sure it's clear that it's not a complete ban of transgenders. My understanding is that there still are uh, transgenders serving. There still are transgenders serving uh, because when Trump tried to initiate the ban, what, what he's doing with the language that you just read is he's kind of taken a back door to do virtually a ban. Uh, problem is it discriminates against trans, trans people. You said that you would defer to military experts. I know I've read um, Mike Mullen, who's the retired chairman, Joint Chiefs of Staff, uh, from I think 2007 until 2011. He's the person who led the military through the repeal of Clinton's don't ask, don't tell policy. And here's what he said about Trump's military ban, and he thinks it's a ban. Um, he said, quote, this decision hurts our national security, deprives our ranks of much needed talent, and flies in the face of the values our military institution represents. He goes on to say, when he was involved in ending the policy to force gays to lie about being gay, that that resulted in a stronger military. And then he says, in 2015, a similar process took place around trans transgender service. The Pentagon created a working group consisting of military and civilian personnel representing all the services and the joint staff, and it also engaged the RAND Corp to conduct an exhaustive study into the readiness implications of open service. And that process confirmed, he says, what prior research had told them that there is no valid medical or military rationale for banning openly transgender Americans from serving as their true selves or from obtaining medically necessary health care. He said that the department lifted its ban as a result in 2016 and he just to anticipate the health care cost argument that President Trump tried to blame the ban on, he says as for health care costs, the price tag of providing care for transgender troops has been negligible, amounting to less than one-tenth of one percent of the military's annual health care budget. He also says that uh, Pentagon data shows that nearly 400 people with so-called the so-called gender dysphoria have been deployed to combat zones, and that one of the people who spoke to them when this research was taking place was Olivia Stelick, a transgender U.S. Military Academy graduate who was deployed to Afghanistan as a physical therapist where she treated more than 1,700 patients. She told lawmakers at the time that being honest about herself inspired fellow service members to be more honest about themselves and that her integrity bred more integrity and instead of spiraling into denial and pretense, her unit enjoyed enhanced cohesion and morale. Admiral Mullen goes on to say that 
discriminating against a group of proven patriots is no way to appeal to the next generation of fighters and serves only to place politics above readiness. And Caitlin, I have to say I agree. I mean, they say that 134,000 American veterans are transgender and over 15,000 trans people are currently serving in the military. So these are people who risk their lives for us. Um, they've saved other soldiers. They've won medal. They've served with honor. Who cares if they're trans? I mean, why go out of our way to prohibit these capable, honorable people from serving our country? General Mattis's memo to Trump uh, last year in 2018 um, specifically rebukes a lot of that RAND study that you just quoted, and I know that that's what the Obama administration uh, made their decision on. So, as always, you know, different administrations interpret um, data differently. Mattis's position was that the policy issue, quote, has proven more complex than the prior administration or RAND assumed. I'm not an expert in this, so I don't know whether or not to um, whether or not that's true. But the the Trump ban, quote unquote, is based on gender dysphoria. And I've had someone ask me in the past, well, what's different about this versus don't ask, don't tell? I think the difference in my mind is that gender dysphoria is a psychiatric term, right? It's a mental health issue. And our, our military, my understanding is that there are mental health um, requirements and testing and things that, that folks, regardless if you're LGBTQ or not, people that need to go through versus being gay obviously is not a mental health issue. So but my understanding is dysphoria just a my understanding of gender dysphoria is that you are one sex and you relate to another sex. Correct. But right? my reading says that not all transgender people have gender dysphoria. Again, gender dysphoria is a psychiatric kind of recognized mental condition. But am I correct that it's that gender dysphoria is just being one sex and relating to another I don't know I I agree because it's confusing to me too but if you if you google well maybe it's just a matter of medical semantics then and medical terminology perhaps do you think the military That sounds to me like a backdoor ban when if, if if I'm correct that that's all gender dysphoria is being born biologically one sex but thinking that you know believing and relating to another sex that sounds to me like all or almost all uh, transgender people. So I don't I know. think it is a ban. I think it's a backdoor. I don't know. Of, it's a psychiatric term. Do you think that the military should pay for gender reassignment surgery? Well, I believe what uh, Admiral Mullen, that I just quoted what he said, which is that to the extent that, that uh, the me- medical costs associated with transgender people have been less than one-tenth of one percent of the military's annual budget, that it's not a real issue. So, right, but not my question. Do you think that they should pay for this surgery? Because one of the things that Trump's administration said is that they that DOD and DHS funds will not be used for surgeries, which I guess to me implies that they were used before, regardless if it was a small percentage. It doesn't imply that. Again, I, I, I don't know how whether it ever happened or whether it's relevant at all. So I think it's it's just a it's it's again one of those alarmist issues. Are we paying for this or not? I don't think it's alarmist. Again, do you think do you think that they should then? You think that they should pay for it? I mean, if it's if it's medical care that that someone in the military, we pay for everything for all of our. Hopefully, we pay for all medical care for all of our uh, military personnel. So if it's related to someone's medical care, uh, I'm fine with them paying for it. I and if it's not a, a major cost, then. I, you know, I don't see that there's a recent cause for alarm. Yeah, I have concerns around paying for gender reassignment surgery, uh, but I appreciate your point about paying for. But let's say, costs. let's say that okay, so let's say that we go ahead and prohibit the military from paying for gender reassignment surgery. 
then would you be okay with transgender people serving openly in the military? Again, I'll defer to their expertise, just like you deferred to their expertise during the Obama administration. So perhaps the next administration will make a different a different choice. As you point out, there's competing expertise on this, right? Mm-hmm. Depending on where people fall. What do you think? Should transgender people who have served, is there a reason to prevent them from continuing to serve and, and, and transgender people, openly transgender people, from continuing to join the military? Uh, I don't know enough about the issue. I'm not I'm not going to answer and I'm not trying to avoid it, but I don't know enough about the intricacies of preparing troops for combat and the challenges and the logistics and all of those different things that may be uh, involved when you have uh, transgender people in the military. I, I just don't know enough about it. Well, it sounds similar to when, when women weren't allowed to serve in active combat and the idea that the logistics surrounding that would be too complicated. So I have concern with, with that. Caitlin, on a lighter note, what did you think of the recent news that a straight pride group uh, wanted recognition on uh, Pride Weekend and have to have their own parade? Hey, I think if you want to have your own parade, have your own parade. I mean, I think it's a silly thing, but um, I also don't necessarily think that we should have parades celebrating sexuality on on either side. I just don't know that it's an accomplishment that's worthy of a parade, regardless if it's gay pride, straight pride, or any other type of pride in in between. Um, That to me doesn't seem parade worthy, but hey, if you want to host a parade for whatever you want to host a parade for, go for it. But don't you think there's a difference? Don't you think? I mean, the point of uh, gay pride parades is to celebrate something that has historically been discriminated against, right? And to come out and be open about it and, and to celebrate that to reduce the levels of historical discrimination, whereas that reasoning doesn't exist at all for the straight group. Depends on if that's the reason. I mean, a lot of the the gay pride uh, parades that I've seen, the organizers just talk about, come on out and celebrate, you know, pride in being gay, which is fine. Um, But I just don't think pride in your sexuality, regardless of what that sexuality is, justifies a parade. Now, if it's a civil rights protest, if it's that type of thing, sure, that to me, that that I understand is a little bit different, but that's not often what these gay pride parades are. No, I disagree. I think that's exactly what they are. They're a celebration of being open about something that has historically been discriminated against. Shelley, one thing that I mentioned, I think, at the beginning of our episode was this issue of transgendered males, in particular, participating in women's sports. And that would be one of the uh, consequences or outcomes of this Equality Act that's being proposed right now is that um, there, it seems like, based on my reading, that there'd be some conflict between the Equality Act and then Title IX, which is designed to obviously protect women's abilities to compete in sports at the highest levels. There have been some recent news stories, actually, about this issue, both in the U.S., as as well as globally, but one that happened, I think, just in the month of June was the story of a young woman who's a high school track runner. Her name is Selena Sewell, S-O-U-L-E. It may be Sully, I may be mispronouncing it, um, but she was competing for the New England Girls Track Regionals. She needed to be one of the top six runners to advance, but she came in eighth because two biological males were competing as transgender girls. Selena is now initiating a lawsuit um, to fight back on that. But I'm interested to know what your thoughts are there as we talk about equal rights for everybody and we think about women's rights, which I know you're very passionate about in particular. What are your thoughts around this issue of transgenderism on on the world of women's sports and what does that look like? First of all, I, uh, I disagree with the framing of it. I don't think that 
uh, to pass the Equality Act would uh, cause transgender women to um, participate more or to disqualify or to succeed more than um, than heterosexual women. I don't. I don't think the. I think that we we could easily agree that discrimination against the LGBTQ community with public accommodations um, is is illegal. Uh, we should be able to easily agree on that without touching on trans women in sports. But to answer your question, um, first of all, it's trans women that you're referring. It's a trans woman that you're referring to, not trans man. To me, it's a non-issue only because there's not a lot of this happening. That story um, was picked up by the conservative media in 2003, I think. Uh, transgender people became eligible for Olympic Games, and yet in the last two Olympic Games, there have been thousands and thousands of Olympians, and no trans person has qualified to participate in the events. And so I, I think this is a very s small issue, and I don't think that it should... Um, raise the kind of alarm that um, the media, the conservative media picked up with respect to Selena Soul. Aside from that, I, I agree with you. She may have been unfairly treated. I think it's a small problem. I think a bigger problem would be, you know, doping and other things that are just going on in sports. But the issue is, the way I understand it, trans women want to compete with women because they have artificially lowered testosterone. And that might be, I actually don't know enough about the medical side of this, that might be enough, that could be uh, enough to allow them to compete. But my understanding of the medical argument against it is that in addition to the testosterone level, biological males have you know, potentially stronger hearts, stronger bone density, stronger ligaments, uh, and maybe if you had been training as a biological male for many years before you transitioned, that it gives you an advantage uh, even when your testosterone is low is lowered so I I think that there could be some unfairness there and I agree with you on that yeah well I, I think your point about the proposed um, Equality Act not having an impact on this and that it's a small issue um, lots of high-profile female athletes uh, folks like tennis legend uh, Marina Navratilova, four-time Olympic gold medalist Sonia Richards-Ross. Uh, they disagree with you. They've been very vocal in their uh, proposal with lawmakers to amend the equality bill in order to protect women's sports and specifically to maintain uh, Title IX. Dorianne Coleman, who's a track athlete and apparently a Duke law professor, um, she wrote, this is necessary because sex segregation is the only way to achieve equality for girls and women in competitive athletics. So I think kind of put, proposing this or, or framing this as something that only the conservative media is talking about, I don't think that's entirely accurate. Um, I would have a lot of concerns if I was Selena Sewell's family or Selena Sewell myself or some of these other women that, you know, potentially you have uh, transgender athletes coming in and, um, and uh, dominating the competition because of their biological advantages. Yeah. I think that's a concern. And I, and I think we could compromise on that. I would envision uh, if there's a narrow exemption to the Equality Act written in that has to do with trans women and women's sports in particular. Uh, that would be a reasonable compromise to make. And what are your thoughts around including this idea of gender identity in the definition of sex in the Equality Act, which we talked about in the beginning, some of the, the potential to open up other 
issues um, around current sex-based protections for uh, things like a woman's locker room or a woman's restroom or a woman's um, rape crisis or abuse crisis center, things like that, where now with this gender identity protection, uh, those organizations, those facilities can no longer prevent someone who self-identifies as male, perhaps even just for that moment, right, from coming into those facilities. What are your thoughts there? The idea that it's just for a moment is is not typically the case. I disagree with the bathroom laws that have been hugely controversial and in the news over the last many years um, in North Carolina and other places. I think transgender uh, women and men should be allowed to use the bathrooms they choose. I think uh, I think it's a silly issue, frankly, and uh, these people do not pose a risk to anyone else in the bathroom, and uh, and I think there's been too much hype about it, and uh, I think it's a silly issue. The issue with the Equality Act, though, is that your your point is that you know this likelihood of someone in the moment self-identifying is is unlikely, but the law doesn't provide for that. The law doesn't say, hey, gender identity only if you've been transgendered for a certain amount of time, right? Well, a lot of these gender identity issues, and I think this is where the concern comes, is that that person can self-identify. So if you have someone that's uh, kind of a pervy guy who wants to go in the women's restroom, potentially you could have a situation where that guy says, you know what, I'm going to identify as a woman, I'm going to go into the women's room. And under this equality law, because that's that, that's that person's gender identity, there's no other qualification or, or definition of what that means, that, that could happen. No, that's absurd, and I disagree that there's no other de- uh, identification or definition of what that means. Um, there's nothing in the Equality Act that would allow a man to go into a restroom and then later claim, a woman's restroom, and then later claim that he was suddenly, briefly self-identifying as a woman. Um, what we're talking about really with the bathroom laws, transgender people, people who are transgender, who need to use the bathroom so (laughs) but target let's use target as an example so target has a new policy they enacted it in 2016 they allow biological men to enter the women's restaurant excuse me restaurant restroom if that is how they self-identify so in so what they mean are transgender people this is a story from 2016. Police are now on the hunt for a man who exposed himself to a child in the women's restroom at a Target store in the South Loop. The man entered the restroom. He reportedly pushed into the child's stall and exposed himself. Okay, that's a crime to expose yourself to a child. That's a serious crime that has nothing to do with the gender identity issue. A similar incident occurred at Target in 2016 when a man allegedly took photos of a woman as she changed clothes in the dressing room. He was in the women's dressing room because he self-identified as that's, a woman. That's a crime too. I agree, but the fact that he's in that committing crimes they have nothing to do with transgender people using the right restroom that they but don't you think that that opens up the opportunity for that crime to be committed because of policy for inviting men into a women's no you're not inviting men you're inviting transgender women the proper term is transgender but that's not what target's policy said target's policy doesn't say transgender it just says self-identify gender identification, which is another way of saying transgender, and uh, no, their policy was, I can guarantee, not designed to allow people to come in to commit crimes. These are people who clearly want to abuse someone or abuse a child or or shock uh, a woman, and they're criminals. It's an absurd uh, analogy. These have nothing to do with um, transgender bathroom laws. Okay. 
Okay, so in wrapping up, Caitlin, I guess we agree that discrimination uh, against gay people, at least in terms of public accommodations, we can agree that that should be prohibited. You have some concerns about the trans community and how that fits in with the law, and I think we probably disagree on uh, whether religion can justify discrimination. So it's enjoyable talking to you about this. Thanks for listening, listeners. Let us know your thoughts at redmombluemompodcast.gmail.com.